Well, good morning, church, and we're looking in our series of going from clean to pure. From clean to pure. We, if you're just tuning in this morning, we are in the middle of a series, but there's enough in there for you to pick up what God wants to say to you this morning. Well, the reason why we're clean is because John spoke in John 17, Jesus spoke the words to his disciples and he said, you are clean, already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So the word was making a group of people clean. But in our Christianity, we don't just stay clean. We've got to, it's a journey. Sorry, we start from being clean and we move and pursue purity. So though we start as clean, Jesus forgives our lives, forgives our past. The walk then is one of purity. So we move from cleanliness into purity. And in our series, we've, we've been looking uh, the first, the first uh, session we did, we looked at going from clean to pure and what that actually meant. The second, we looked at how impure wisdom, how the wisdom of this world is impure compared to the wisdom from heaven. Do you remember that? How heaven's wisdom is completely different than the earth's wisdom. The earth's wisdom tells you to experiment, taste, see, enjoy, but it doesn't tell you about the consequences. Where heaven's wisdom is completely different than the earth's. They're completely contradictory to each other. They are two different systems, two different spirits. Than, um, than he- and the people who, who, who feed into those, one of those filters either find blessings or consequences. Then we looked at, uh, over two sessions, how our motives need to be pure. How motives, God is sifting through in this season. Every motive of the heart has to be not only just clean, but pure. Because not everything what we do is clean. Not everything is sincere, is it? Not everything we do is honest. We can say one thing, but mean something else. And then last week, we looked at pure pathways. How our Christianity is either a hard walk or a heart walk. God wants our hearts involved on this walk. It's not, see, if you have church and you do it as duty, form, or tradition, the heart is never involved. But the moment you want a relationship with a God and you want a relationship with people, the heart has to be involved. You can't bypass. The moment you take the heart out of it, all you've got is tradition, form, and duty. And Christianity is neither one of those. It's a heart relationship. So you can either have a hard walk or a heart walk. And our pathway, this is what we're going to look at this morning, our pathway must be leading somewhere. Yeah? It's not just a path, follow the path. It's not like the yellow brick road. We know our path must be leading somewhere. And our path for us as Christians is a pathway leading to, I'll say it in four letters, Zion. And I'll show you what that means. Because when heaven opens up, and this has been our key scripture. and there, Is it there? Yeah. This, the scripture we've been looking at all the way through our series. And it's a powerful scripture. You know, the scripture's always been there. But until it's revealed to you, you never see it. And this scripture's been revealed. It says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. In other words, it's first above everything else. Whatever comes out of heaven is pure. Whatever comes out of heaven. So whatever of heaven comes out of heaven and touches your life, it's first of all pure. 
So if you're touching heaven, then your life must be reflective of what you're touching. This morning, if we're all touching heaven in our worship, then heaven must be flowing into our life. And if heaven's flowing into our life, it's, first of all, pure. And then it's sincere. And then, what else does it say? It's peace-loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, it's full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and it's sincere. All those dimensions come out of heaven when you touch it. So all those dimensions must be in you and me. Because it's only as we touch heaven, we move from being clean into pure. Because as the heavens open up into our lives, we see greater dimensions of God. We see, it's only as you touch the heavens, you see that he's no longer a baby. You see that Christ can manifest in our midst. Christ can get out of a manger and can become a man. The man can die, he can be resurrected, he can go to the heavens, but yet, even though he's on the other side of a galaxy that you can't see, you can connect with him every day. That is a mystery that has to be revealed. How you can have an inter, have you, can, you can have, should say, interaction, conversation, and relationship with a God that is in a galaxy far, far, far away, but yet you can have a conversation like he's in that room. There's no point in worshipping a God, even though he's invisible, you can't touch, speak to, hear, and feel. That's what we offer to people, relationship. Even though you don't see him physically with your eyes, you know he's there. You know he's there. And this is the God that reveals himself to those who seek. People say, well, how do you know God's there? The Bible says there's a a criteria. Unless you come like a little child, unless you come like a little child, the kingdom of God cannot enter you and you can't enter the kingdom of God. So there's a childlike faith. Unless your heart is seeking after God, you'll never find him. Why? Because blessed are those who seek. For they will find. So unless you're seeking, you'll never find. People say, well, prove. No, no, God doesn't have to prove. He doesn't prove himself. He he reveals himself to those who seek him. He doesn't prove. He doesn't jump to your requests. But there's many in here who found him because they saw after him. But people say, well, if it's a God, prove it. Well, I can prove it. It's in my life. Watch my life. Look at my life and you'll see. And I look at your life and I look at many other people's lives. I can see there's a God inside you because you're not the same person anymore. You fundamentally have changed. So when heaven heaven opens up over our life, it's leading us somewhere. It just doesn't open up and close. Heaven Heaven is in us. Amen? All the dimensions of Christ are in us. The Bible says he's given us everything for life ungodliness. Everything that Christ achieved and obtained, he gave it to you and me. Everything. Everything. So when the heavens open up, it reveals a pathway, a pure pathway. Why? Because it's coming from heaven. It's coming from heaven. And it's only right to expect that if heaven's coming to you, then everything in you should be pure. If heaven is coming to you, then it's only right to expect that everything that's coming from your life starts to be pure. Why? Because if, if you're connecting with heaven, heaven's doing a work within you. Heaven's doing a work within you. Heaven isn't just a place, it's a dimension. It's alive, it's living. 
Many of us, when we're, when we're touching the dimensions of worship, we use that phrase called we cross over. We go from one dimension into another. We see what's on the other side. But you can't do that unless you are truly have become born again. Because the veil that's covering many people's eyes is no longer covering yours. Because you've crossed over. He's revealed himself to you. Amen? So in Isaiah chapter 2. There you go. Can you see that? Just about. Yep. In the last days, the, mountains of the, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as a chief among mountains. It will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God, to the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. He will teach us his ways so that we can walk in his paths. So somebody has to teach us how to walk in his ways. That's why we must constantly be connecting with heaven. Amen. You must be constantly connecting with heaven, the God of heaven. It's the God of heaven. You're not connecting just with a place, you're connecting with a person. The God of heaven. Why? He said, because he'll teach us his ways so that we may walk in his path. His desire is for us to stay on the path. That's his desire for us. The law will go out from Zion. The word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And in Matthew 6.10, he says, your kingdom come, your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven has a will. Heaven has desire. And heaven's will and desire is for it to be carried and flow and manifest through your life. That's heaven's will. So heaven needs to find people who are seekers, who will seek after God. Then he needs to find worshippers who worship in spirit and in truth. Because they're the only, the Bible says the, they are the true worshippers that God is looking for. Those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Not just those who can sing. Not just those who can clap. Not just those who can play music or dance. Anyone can have them. But the, worshipers, the worship that God ex, ex, uh, accepts are those who worship him in spirit and in truth. doesn't even say you have to have a good voice. That's why we're all included. This is an X factor. Though you might think you're the X in our factor, you're not. The factor is we don't need your great voice. Your great voice helps us. It sounds like a gale in the night or a nightingale. You decide which one you're going to be. However, that's not the requirement of worship. So when heaven comes, it wants to be pure in our hearts. It wants to connect with us so that it, its will is carried out on this earth. Let your kingdom come your will be done here as it is in heaven how is the kingdom how does it manifest it manifests through your life it can't come any other way unless it comes through you it has to come through your life see for the jew the jew amongst us is looking for a geographical mountain when you're talking about zion he's going historically he's looking he's looking for a natural physical mountain so everybody runs to Israel to find Mount Zion. So they're hoping that God's going to turn up on Mount Zion. But for the Christian believer, it's not a physical mountain. It's a spiritual dimension. He's not asking us to make a pilgrimage all back to Israel. He's asking us to lift up our eyes 
to see that there's a spiritual expression, a spiritual dimension of this place that the Jews once used to congregate around called Mount Zion. It was a physical place, but it's now a spiritual dimension. Can you understand that? So does Mount Zion, is, is Mount Zion in Israel? Yes, but there's one right in here. There's one above us. The path that we're on, it comes out of Zion, so it's leading us to Zion. That's why the pathway must be pure. It must be pure. So I'm not going to Israel looking for a mountain. I don't need to do the Holy Land tour. The Holy Land's right here. You might want to go and see Israel, swim in the Dead Sea. I want to swim in the Living Sea. You might want to go on holiday, and there's nothing wrong with going to Israel for a holiday. Enjoy it. Knock yourself out. Eat as much fish as you want. Eat as many olives as you can. But I personally don't feel a sense of pilgrimage in my heart to go to Israel. There's a lot better places I could go to in the world. But if Israel's your thing, knock yourself out. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, 24. But you have come to Mount Zion. So if we, are, if we were a Jew, the Jew could not read this scripture. Because he's still looking for Mount Zion. But you and I... The Bible says, spiritually, we've come to Mount Zion. Why? Because heaven's already over us. But God is leading us deeper and deeper and deeper into the mountain. It's almost like the Hobbit. We're going into the mountain. Or is it the Lord of the Rings? One of those two. Either way, there's dwarfs on there. God has taken us deeper and deeper into the mountain. But you have come to, the Mount, to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem. So it makes a clear distinction that it's not Israel we're looking for. It's a spiritual dimension. It's a heavenly. In fact, it's not even a dimension. It's the city of the living God. And you have come. And in this city, this is the dimension that we cross over into every time we touch God in worship. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Now, I love the thing about the angels are always joyful. It's only until you get the physical people on the earth that look miserable. Lemon-faced Christianity. But all the angels gather in joyful assembly. They're always joyful. You know why? Because they see the power of worship. They see the power of the king. They see the king. They're in his place. See, when we get into the throne room and we touch heaven, we, the angels then long to see what you've touched because you've got something they can't have. You've got redemption. The angels are created beings to do a specific task, but they don't inherit what you and I inherit. So they're in joyful assembly. It's only the Christians on the earth that look miserable. But in this place, the joyful assembly. To the church of the firstborn. In other words, we shouldn't be there, but we are there. Whose names are written in heaven. God's got a roll board. With millions and millions of names. And he doesn't have to look in his book to remember. Because all your names are written in his heart. The worshippers. The true worshippers. The ones who are on the path. Remember, worship has nothing to do with music. The ones who are, And he says, you have come to God. In this dimension, you've not just come to a place, you've come to God. You've come to the judge of all men. 
all men will be judged. But the Christian, he's already been judged. When? When you became born again. The moment you sought God and you were sincere, God forgave your past. There's no judgment for you. Judgment is for the sinner. But for you and I, I don't have to be judged. Aren't you glad? But your work will be weighed up. Your work will be weighed up. So then he says, the judge of all men, and this is the part that I really feel that in 2014, God will emphasize clearer to us, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. Why? Why are they made perfect? Because we're going from clean to pure. In Zion, God's cleared us up, perfected our hearts to the point. Now it says that the spirits of righteous men, what kind of man is God looking for? A righteous man. Not just someone who comes to church. He's looking for someone who pursues righteousness. That's what, that's what really def, uh, defines a man who's clean and a man who's pure. A man who's walking in righteousness is someone who, uh, who walks in righteousness who becomes pure. Amen? And then he says this. You've come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. The Christ Jesus is there. God's there. The heavens are there. The blood is there. Everything we need is on the air. And we have a deposit of this living on the inside of us now. The Bible says he's given us this as a deposit, as an inheritance to come. Wow. All this is for us. You come to the covenant of the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. All this is the pathway that God wants us to stay on so that we fully enter into this dimension how many of you believe that god you can touch this dimension it's real it's real it's a real dimension so then when we sing our song and some of you don't who are new this morning won't know what i'm talking about but we sing a song called welcome to zion and in that line we say take us up lord take us in take us up lord take us in our heart's desire is to enter deeper into this dimension of christ because it's a dimension it's a walk it's a faith it's a relationship the more we trust in God, the more we walk, the more our hearts are, are pursue righteousness, the more we walk into this dimension. Because he says, you've already come to it. You've already come to it. But so many Christians can't see it. But it's there nevertheless. So Matthew seven thirteen, Is it there? Yep. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction And look how many people are on there. And many enter through this. How many? Many. So enter through the narrow gate. So he's saying there's there's, there's an option here. There's a narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through that. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. So we see two options, the narrow, the broad. On the broad path and gate, there's a gate leading to a pathway. Remember that, there must be a gate leading to a pathway. The gateway is Christ. Unless you go through him, there is no path. Because there's a path that leads to destruction. But many are walking on there. Why? Because he didn't go through the gate. Jesus Christ is the way. The truth, the life. The way, the truth, the life. See, some people like 
The idea of him being the truth. Some people like the idea of him being a way. No, no, no. He is the way. He is the life. He is the truth. This is the revelation that you and I must have in order to become a Christian. I have concluded, I've worked out, I've considered, I've concluded that Jesus Christ, and I pursue with all my heart, with with full conviction, that Jesus Christ, for my life, he is the way. He is the truth. He is my life. How did that come about? Not by me meditating, but my, by me seeking. And God came to me, showed me in my life that, Tony, I am the God. I am the God. I am the way. I am the life. I'm your life. Now, no one can force that on anyone. You have to, if you're seeking, you'll find. Someone said to me the other week, well, how do I find this God? I said, well, are you seeking? He went, well, no. I said, well, you won't find him then. If there's a present in this room for you, and I tell you there's a present in this room but you don't seek, do you think the present will find you? Why? Because you're not looking for it, and the present has no will. It can't, it, the present has restrictions. In the natural sense, the present's just the present. In the spiritual sense, the present is Christ. Christ has done everything for you to cross over. But he can't violate your free will. And he will not violate your free will. Though he may create situations for you to touch him, he will not violate your free will. It's your choice to touch him or not. So what we do as Christians, we invite people so they can come into certain environments where they can hear more about him. That's our part of our role as a Christian, to share the good news, to tell you that there's a present in the room, to tell you the present's free, it's eternal life, but it'll cost you everything. It's not just free. It's free, but it'll cost you your life. Amen? So, but you have come. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is this gate. Small. It's small. In other words, it's not, doesn't stand out. Not everybody wants it. There's a whole generation who don't want it. There's a generation who's lived on this life, and they said they don't want it. But there's a new rising generation that do want it. There's a new generation rising. They do want it. So we want to help them enter. Do we not? There is a narrow gate and there's a wide gate. There's a broad path and there's a narrow path. Many travel on it. Millions and millions and millions and millions are going to hell every day. But millions and millions are finding heaven. Millions. China, more Christians are coming to Christ every day. People, nations around the world, the Western countries have become so, so ap- apathetic about Christianity. But around the world, millions and millions and millions are entering in this narrow gate. Why? Because they're seeing, they're seeking. But in the West, we have our materialism, we have everything we want, but there's no hunger and no desire. But around the, the nations of the world, there's such a hunger for Christ. Because when people have been held captive by religious uh, mechanisms, form, duty, and tradition, when they meet the real Christ, they say, that's it. I want that. I don't want what you've created over there. I don't want what you, your bells and smells and incense and nonsense. I don't want that. I want relationship. If you can show me that God is real, I'm seeking. But if you can show me, introduce me to this God, I'm, I'm in. 
And millions are walking in. Millions are walking in. But once you walk in, it's staying on the path. Staying on the path. You know, many of you, many of you in the new year will feel self-conscious about your weight. And you'll see, yeah, this is the year to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to do something about my weight. I'm going to join a gym. Now, if I was a gym, a gym owner, I would be rubbing my hands together in January. Because I know I'm going to get you on a 12-month subscription and you're not going to be there at the end of it. <laughs> I'm going to get your money for 12 months, but I know I'm not going to get you. Why? Because you will not honor what you pursued. You want it. You want that weight loss. You want to look like me, a Stalin. I understand that. It's a temptation. However, you've got to do it by work. And you've got to do it by desire. You've got to do it by effort, consistency. You've got to do those things. You've got to do it by discipline. You thought, no, I'm going to get a gym membership. And I've seen the picture. Have you noticed there's always a picture of or you see it on the channel, on the shopping channels. You see one guy doing one piece of apparatus, but he looks like me. And you think, well, not quite like me, but you know. Right? He looks, yeah, that's the, that's the before, Phil, you're right. right? And, and, and you see, by one apparatus, he's got this Mr. Universe, Mrs. Universe body. It's a lie. You can't get like that with just one apparatus. But they think, oh, you see that and you go for it. True? You need a lifestyle to get like that. And you need a lot of tears before bedtime. And a lot of sweat and a lot of discipline. So getting on the path is easy to some degree. It starts with a choice once it's been revealed to you. But staying on it, moving from clean to pure, ah, that's different. To shun temptation, to live a different lifestyle, to pursue a Christ. That's something different. To keep heaven open over your life. Heaven's always wanting to open up, but not everybody wants to touch heaven. Not every Christian, they fight heaven. Why? Because they don't want to let go of their own nature. God's desire is that we become pure. But not every person's desire is to become pure. Can you imagine how better our world would be if everyone was pure? Can you imagine, think of this, just one thing. Can you imagine how safe our children would be? If this world was pure, can you imagine how safe our children could be and would be? They'd be able to play and they wouldn't, you'd have no fear of anyone taking your kids. There'd be no paedophile rings. There'd be nothing like that. Why? Because purity, men wouldn't think like that. But our world's not like that, is it? But the kingdom of heaven is like that. The kingdom of heaven is like that. And the Bible says, in the kingdom of heaven, no thief, no robber, no, no, none of these people will touch that heaven. Why? Because heaven's pure. Heaven's pure. And when it breaks over your life, the first thing it starts to do is to take off your old character, your old nature, and begin to transform you into the image and likeness of the one, which is Jesus Christ. This is why heaven must break out over our lives. There's a highway. It's a highway. This path is called a highway. It's not just a path. It's a highway. And in every believer's life, it's narrow. But it's called the highway of holiness. But it's a pure highway of holiness. That's why it's holy. All things are holy, are pure. And in Isaiah 35, verse 8. 
get it to turn. Okay, there you go. And a highway. No, that's not the right one. Thought that was on it before. I'll leave that one there. You know where it was. Isaiah 35, verse 8. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. See? The unclean will not journey on it. It will be there for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there. Nor will any ferocious beast get up, get up on it. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will, will walk there. And the ransom of the Lord will return. And they will enter Zion with singing everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will all flee away. See, because the further you make a journey towards Zion, everything begins to change. Everything within our lives, everything within our character, everything within our nature begins to change. Sadness is transferred for joy. Weakness is transferred for strength. Uncleanliness is cleanliness. And God begins, it's a picture of a Christian's life being transformed. Because as you come into the kingdom of heaven to get, become born again, you come as you are. So when I first met Jesus Christ for the first time, I came as I was, sinful as I was. Jesus looks at me and accepts me for who I was and for what I did, and he forgives me. And he wipes my slate clean. He says, but Tony, you've still got patterns of behavior inside you. You've still got an old nature that needs to be trained. You've still got carnal desires. Anybody found that? My carnal desires still never left me when I first became a Christian. So he said, right, Tony, if all those things are going to change, you must take my hand and let me lead you through the cross because through the cross is called the victorious Christian life. So if I can take you from defeat to victory, you must follow me. That's why I'm the way. You must take my word and even when you doubt it, you must still believe it. That's why I'm called the truth. And even when you're sick, I'm the healer. That's why I'm the life. He said, but Tony, if you want to know me in these dimensions, you must follow on this path. You're not free to do what you want, but that's why you were a sinner before. But now you're a saint. You need to move towards being a son. And to be a son means I train you, I discipline you, I love you as my own, I take care of you as my own, as a father would do. But son, you need to listen to your father's words. That's called relationship. But every time I want to do my own thing, dad says, okay, son, do your own thing. But dad's told you. How many fathers have told their sons, son, don't do that. It's not good for you. But son thinks he knows better. And then he's like, sorry, dad. Sorry, dad. Son, I told you. That's not the best way for you. Why? Because I'm God and I know. But it gives you the freedom to try some things. But the more you become clean and the more this relationship gets clearer and clearer, the less you want to go your own way. The more you want to desire, the more you have a desire to please your father. That's called relationship. So the more I'm walking on this path, the clearer heaven becomes over my life. The purer heaven's becoming over my life. If there's one thing that's not in the church at this point in time, it's purity. If there's so many Christians are struggling with the same things that the rest of the world are struggling with. And yet we call ourselves the light. 
if we're meant to be the light, the salt and the light, then we cannot afford to lose our saltiness. We cannot afford to let our light be dimmed by our sinful behavior. This is what the church means. It's not a place where we just go to sing songs. If we want this kind of church to be salt and light, then we have to be a different people. We have to follow a different way. Because if we're doing the same things as everybody else, why would they want to know what you know? Why would they want the life that you're living if you're doing the same thing? There are, many of them are in a hole. So the Bible's very clear. It says, if Veronica falls in a hole, right? If she's on, a, if she's on her own, but I'm on the outside, I can put my hand and pull her out. But if she doesn't want it, she'll pull me in. So I've got to be careful. If she's seeking and she generally wants to be out, I can get, lend her my strength. Show her my way. Show her the truth that's been given to me. Show her the life. Show her the path. But if she wants to just to get out of the hole, guess what? She'll only find another hole somewhere else. True? That's why good works alone is no good. Because you get about a one hole to find, put them in another hole. Our works must be combined with a faith and a message. Does that make sense? So we must understand that this path comes with clear, clear instructions. But only the redeemed will walk on there and the ransom of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Amen. So that's, why, that's, that's, that's one of the dimensions of a worshiper. There's a new spirit in them. There's a new spirit within them. And the ransom of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will all flee away. So we see the, un- the unclean can't journey on it. They can't. Only the pure can walk on it. Wicked beasts will not be there. Years ago, God would allow the wicked beast to roam and it would attack the people on it, which is symbolic of the devourer, the enemy of our soul, Satan. But on this pathway, the enemy can't touch us. Can't touch us. Oh, he'll try, but you've got the authority. Wild beasts will not be there. Why? It's a highway, listen church, it's a highway of protection, provision, and progress. This is why we have to walk on this highway. 2014, you'll see that. The more our hearts become purer, the more you'll see divine protection on your life. The more you'll see divine provision coming to you. The more you'll see your life progress, I guarantee it. The more, the more you stay on this path, singing and joy will overtake you. A new dimension of worship will break out upon your life. Amen? So let me just take you to the scripture. Did we go back? No. Lost where I want to. Now let's go back to this scripture. E. Holy Ghost. 2 Kings chapter 18. There's a man called Sennacherib. What a name, eh? What a name. You've got you to gotta call him Cherib or Seni or whatever. You've got to break it down. Sennacherib, and he's threatening Jerusalem. And this guy is a voice. And this guy, listen to what he says in 2 Kings 18, 19, and 20. This is what the great king, the king of Assyria says. And let me say this to you. On what are you boasting this confidence of yours? So when we say God's got greater purity, God's got provision, protection, and progress for us, what are you basing your confidence on. You can hear these words. You can take these words. 
But when the music fades and all is stripped away and you go home, what are you basing your confidence on? Because you'll all say yes, amen right now. But when you go home, what are you going to base your confidence on? People say, well, I'm in debt. I like the, I like the phrase provision. Because I'm in debt. Right, yeah, I'm having provision. You've said yes to something, but you don't have a confidence behind it. Because you think it's going to get you out of the hole. God isn't so much interested in getting you out of the hole. He's interested in keeping you out of it. Yes? Keeping you out of the hole is a lot harder than getting you out of the hole. Yeah? See, I can get you out of the hole by paying your debt off. But guess what? You're going to go back into it. Because you've not learned any principles or any patterns. So getting you out of it. So what are we basing our confidence on? You say you have strategy and military strength. But you speak only empty words. Wow. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? And then go to verse, uh, sorry, chapter 2 Kings 19, verse 32, 37. This guy is a complete liar. He's a cheat. And all he ever does is speak lies. Let's see what he says. So the reason why I'm reading you this scripture is because on this pathway of holiness, on this pathway to purity, you'll meet guys like him. Sennacherib is is waiting on every corner. He's waiting to try and get you off that very pathway. Why? Because it's a narrow pathway. He wants you on the broad pathway. So you're going to have to be mindful that you're going to have to guard your heart. Does that make sense? You're going to have to guide your own heart and guard your heart and govern your own heart. So he said, therefore, he's going to, he's going to attack the city. Listen to what he says. He's trying to attack the city, but he's coming with all kinds of lies. Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter the city or shoot an arrow there. He will not come before it with a shield or build a siege ramp. But the way that he came, he will, not, he will return. He will not enter the city, declares the Lord. I will defend the city and save it. For my sake and for the sake of my David. You put your own name in there. David's servant. That night, an angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 men. Wow. In the Assyrian camp, when the people got up the next morning, there were all dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and he withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. <coughs> one, day, one day while he was worshipping the temple of his god, Nisroch, his son, Adramelech, and Sherezer cut him down with a sword. Imagine your own sons turning against you. And they, and they escaped to the land of Ararat, which is Turkey, and Ershadon. His son succeeded him as king. Now you must realize there's going to be an internal resistance. There's going to be an internal resistance because you have two natures, your old nature and your new nature. The things that you don't want to do, you do. And the things you want to do, you can't do. And there's a wrestle between the two natures. The Bible's very clear about these two natures living side by side. But there's always a Sennacherib in your life trying to get you. Now, I'll read some, something else. I'll put him in context in a minute. This guy was so evil and he lied all the way through. And God says, you know what? I'm going to have you. I will remove you because you defile my name. You speak lies. 
So God sets him up. And he lets the angel come out. All the armies march against Israel. Hezekiah's on the other side. Hezekiah sought the prophet, sought the word of the Lord. The Lord says, don't worry, his arrows will not even come near you. And that night, 185,000 men are put to, uh, to death by the angel of the Lord. On this pathway to holiness, God will bring all heavenly resources to you. That's the provision. God will bring all heavenly resources to you. That's called the protection. If you're on this pathway and pursuing this pathway, it doesn't matter what, how big Sennacherib is. It doesn't matter how, what his threats are. If you stay on the pathway, God will bring the angels over your life and bring you protection, provision, and progress. But you've got to stay on the pathway. You can't be found doing your own thing, living your own way. These guys stood. Hezekiah stood. He sought the Lord. He believed the Lord. He got the word of the Lord and stood. Amen? There'll always be activity trying to, to derail you. Always trying to derail you. I'm trying to find a scripture that. He actually came and said, what really finished him off was, he said, first of all, what are you basing your confidence on? This is why you must consider and conclude and become convinced. What are you basing your confidence on? Not who you're basing it, but what? Amen? He says that you have military strength, but you only have empty words. Is everything pie in the sky? Is your faith really, sub have you got, truly got a substance to your faith? Or do you have to wait, do you live from Sunday to Sunday? Survival Sunday, you get into church, I feel good, then go back and then you stay in your hole again for the week and then you come out on a Sunday. Is that, what you, is that the life you've got? Is that the path you're on? You may have strength, military strategies in your head, but do you have any strength in your hands? Do you have strength in your feet to keep you on the path? E, we said it's either a hard walk or a heart walk. It's not easy. Many, many can walk on the broad path. They do it every day. Don't follow their example. You're meant to be the light. They're meant to follow your example. Then he says, on whom are you depending? On Egypt? She is a splintered reed. If you read the rest of that scripture, Egypt was always a picture of, of demonic activity. She was never mentioned in a good light, Egypt. Never. She was, sla she was slave captors. She never did anything of any significance in, in God's eyes. She was always a place what caused trouble. And this is where you have to turn around and say, Psalm 73, 25, whom I have in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire but you, but my flesh and my heart, they fail. I recognize that. But God is the strength of my heart, and he's my portion forever. I recognize that I'm weak. I recognize that I fail. I recognize that I trip myself up. I fall over things. I pursue things. But I've also concluded that God is my strength and he's my portion forever. I must recognize that. I will fail. I will fall. But God is merciful. I'm pursuing with all my heart. But it doesn't mean to say I'm always going to be successful. But I get back up again and I go again. I get back up again and I go again. I've fallen in a few holes. And my own strength had to get me out. But then there's some holes I fell in, I couldn't get out. And I had to learn a new way. Anybody else been there? The enemy will challenge you on your dependence on, can God make a real 
difference in your life. You see, he came to, Sennacherib came to Hezekiah, and this is what he said. He says, I've come to, in uh, 2 Kings 18.25, listen to this. I have come to attack and destroy this place without word from the Lord. Let's read that again slowly so you get what I'm saying here. Furthermore, this is Sennacherib, through his aides, are telling Hezekiah, he says, furthermore, I have come to attack and destroy this place without word from the Lord. Without word from the Lord. Then he says, the Lord himself told me to march against this country and destroy it. What a massive contradiction. What a massive contradiction. This is the mouth of a liar. And he's trying to intimidate Hezekiah with his lies. I've come and the Lord has told me not to do it. Or he hasn't given me permission to do it. But then the next thing, I'm come because I've got the word of the Lord. If you don't listen, if you don't listen carefully to what your conscience says or your enemy of your soul says, you fall for what you hear first. I've got no permission to do it. Therefore, back off. Hezekiah should have went, back off, jog on. But then he says, but I've got permission from the Lord. I've got the word of the Lord to attack you. And you know what Hezekiah did? Do you know what he did? Nothing. He stayed quiet. That was a wise man. He did not answer him. He left it. And he went to the prophet and he starts crying before the prophet. Oh, they're going to get me. Sennacherib's going to get me. And the prophet says, I've spoke to the Lord. And the Lord says, not an arrow will touch you. Not one arrow will come near you. 185,000 men are poised, ready to lay siege the city of where Hezekiah is. And yet, that's enough fear to, to make us all slim. Yeah? Who needs, a, who needs a gym for a year when you've got fear? There's nothing like fear to lose, make a person lose weight. And he stands there and he thinks, 185,000 men. Let's just say he had 100,000 men. It's still outnumbered. But he has one who's stronger than them all. He has God. So he speaks to the prophet, because that was the protocol. Go to the prophet. The prophet would speak and stand in the gap on behalf of heaven and earth. So everything that passed through the prophet was pure. So the prophet then would speak to the, the king, which was Hezekiah. So purity, alignment, speaks the word. Hezekiah believes the word because he knows the prophet and he knows God. Amen? So the, 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 the clear pathway for purity is there. Heaven opens up. The word comes out. Wisdom comes out. Everything that passes through heaven is pure. It passes through the prophet. Still not contaminated. Passes through to Hezekiah. Still not contaminated. God can do his work in our midst when he's got a pathway like that. God's got a path. God can do a work when he's got a pathway like that established on the earth. That's the highway of holiness. When you can be God's man... God's woman on the earth, God can speak to you. There's no impurity in your heart. God can speak to you. God can perform what he needs to do in our midst. That is the highway of holiness. But what happens is, is the moment you start receiving something, you think about it, you get yourself involved, you contaminate the waters. And then you start telling other people what God didn't say. And you change the story. So God can't do what he says he's going to do because now the word has been distorted. Understand? God's looking for a highway of holiness. Not many walk on there, but those who do must be clean and pure. 
So their heart, so God, so when heaven opens up, we can receive heaven and we can be heaven's representative on the earth. And God can slay what he needs to slay. God can build what he needs to build. God can establish what he needs to establish in our hearts and in our midst. But on that pathway, the angels are over our lives. Heaven's over our lives. Why? Because God recognizes purity on the earth. And if God has to send a legion of... One angel can destroy 185,000. Wow. Can you imagine waking up and seeing all those boys dead? Dead. As a Scotsman would say, dead in the valley. That's called a valley of death. That's a lot of bodies to bury. 185,000 bodies. Why? Because 185,000 came against the power of one. When you're on this pathway, you and Christ become the power of one. That power of one will speak for you every time. Because why? On the pathway, you've got to remember, we're in Zion. And in Zion, God's there, the judge of all men. He's making the spirits of righteous men perfect. The blood speaks a better word for us. All these dimensions explode as we pursue Zion because Zion recognizes the purity in us. Can you imagine how this world would look? If this world was pure. Can you imagine what a generation of teenagers would look like? There'd be no drugs. Every child would be birthed and conceived in wedlock. There would be no homeless children. Can you imagine a world, a perfect world? Wow. And you say, well, that's not realistic. My Bible says it's there. Your world might not be, but the world I'm part of is. But I'm called until I reach that world and cross over in body, spirit and soul. I'm told to take that what's there and make it manifest here. Change my world with it. Change my world. I'm not looking for a Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty, get me out of here. No, 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 no. I'm saying two, but beam down. Beam it down. Bring it down. Bring it down. So it can flow on the earth. God, need more power down here. More power down here. Lord, I need more righteous people down here. Send them down. Don't send us up. Send us down. And the way to get it all down is by you going up, touching, connecting with it. So the moment you touch and connect, heaven opens up pure, it's in your life. He says, you, you become the way and the truth to so many people's lives. Because you're a reflection of me. You're the image of me. There's my son, there's my daughter. God can point where his sons and daughters are. That's authentic sonship. That's called making our sonship authentic and genuine. Who are the sons and daughters? Those who are obedient, the Bible says. So, coming, coming, bringing this thing to an end. In Isaiah 6, 62, verse 1, it says, for, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet until her righteousness shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory you'll be called by a new name church and our name changed from Bethel to the dream center why because God says I'm, you're going to be a place what's going to reveal the dream of the king God knew what he was doing when he called it us we're not a bed center we don't sleep no 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 but that was the purpose why God spoke. He says, I'm taking, you said you came to Bethel you were called Bethel Christian center that's where I reveal myself to your forefathers 
That's where heaven opened up and revealed myself to your forefathers. They put a stone there. The stone's in the wall. They built it. They came back. But now, Tony, it's your time, your assignment. Moses, my son, he's dead. Uh, Moses, my servant, he's dead. Now it's Joshua's turn. Take this tribe and cross them over into the dream center. Reveal the dream of the king to the people. Show them the mystery. Show them the life. Show them the way. Show them the truth. And have we not grown since that? Since that name change has come upon us and we've embraced it. Why? Because heaven is beginning to show more of itself. We're touching dimensions that our forefathers never touched. It doesn't make us better. It's nothing about better. It's about we've pressed into a dimension. And hopefully the next generations, the Paul's generations, when I'm not here, they'll even make it clearer. The youth next door, that's not kids being looked after, that's kids being trained. A pure generation making wise decisions. So when they step into this thing, and they're already in it now, so now they've stepped into it. They take the, lead, the, the reins of leadership in their own life. Don't try and lead God's church if you can't lead your life. If you've got a clean, pure heart now, then God says, right, now you can take the reins of my chariot. Now you can do it. And here he says, for Zion's sake, I'm not going to keep silent. That is the mandate on our house. For Zion's sake, he will not keep silent. God will always make sure there's a generation in this house opening up, tapping, tapping into heaven. Amen? For the new name and the mouth, um, sorry, you were called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem, diadem in the hand of your God. That's what God's making us, a crown of splendor, a royal diadem in the hand of our God. That, write that down in your Bible because that's what the dream sense is becoming. A crown of splendor, a royal diadem in the hand of our God. That's what this church ultimate purpose will be. A crown of splendor, a royal diadem in the hand of our God. In the hand of our God. You can say, oh, I like the idea of being a royal crown. I like the idea of being a royal diadem. But no, 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 the emphasis is in the hand of our God. Can we put, who are you basing your confidence on? The hand of my God. The hand of my God. The God that raised me from this pit. The God that set me on a rock. The Lord, that, the, the same God that washed me, cleansed me, and put my feet upon the rock and set me on a path and said, this is the way, walk in it. Don't turn to the left or turn to the right. Tony, keep walking. That's the God. I have confidence in. The one that can take me from the mess. The one that can do something with my life. Because nobody else did anything with my life. Even I couldn't do anything with my own life. The one that did something in my life. He is the God I'll trust in. He is the God of my salvation. I don't know which God you're going to trust in this year. I don't know which God you're trusting today. But I'm telling you now, I want you to know the God that I've come to know. The God I've come to know doesn't have a white beard. The Jesus I came to know doesn't have blonde hair. That's, that's westernization. The one I know is a man. He's real. He loves me. He validates me. He's a man's man. He's a lady's man. Not in that wrong sense. He has a father's heart. He knows how to embrace women and hold them correctly. Without, there's no lust in his heart. He's pure. When, he looks, when you look in his eyes, his eyes are like fire. Why? Because he's burned out all the dross. There was never any dross in him. So when you look in his eyes, straight away you melt. Everything that's wrong in you, everything that's incorrect in you, when you look in his eyes, you become like him. That's the God I've come to know. That's the one I've come to trust. He's the same today, yesterday, 
I'm forever met. I love him so. That's my king. That's my king. Let's stand to our feet. That's my king. It's our king. That's right, Veronica. You're right. Let us see heaven. Let us see heaven more this year. Let us see heaven more this year. I desire to see heaven more in my life. Your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done as it is in heaven. Is that what you want? Just raise your holy hands if you will. If you're new this morning and you don't know what I've been talking about, but you want Jesus Christ, you too can just raise your hand if you will. No one's looking at you because everyone else has got their own hands up. And you can pray this simple prayer that I want, I want to know this Christ. I want to know his pathway. I want to move from being unclean to clean. I want my sins forgiven. I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be going to hell. I want to know Jesus Christ as my saviour. And all you have to do is pray this prayer with me, Lord Jesus Christ. Church, why don't we all pray? Those, Christ, those who are Christians, just pray it so that no one feels embarrassed. The Lord, dear Father, I acknowledge my sin to you today. I acknowledge there's a mountain. I acknowledge there's a God. I acknowledge there's a saviour. I acknowledge that I'm not holy. I'm unclean. And I can't walk on this path. But I also know and I have heard that you're able to set me on this path. You're able to forgive my past. You're able to cleanse, cleanse my heart. And you're able to give me a new life. You're able to give me plans to help me, to prosper me, to progress me. I invite you into my life today. Jesus Christ, I make you my Lord. And I make you my Savior. I, I acknowledge that if I do this. If I seek you with my heart, that I'll be found by you. I'll be clean. I'll be made whole. And I'll be given a new destiny. So I invite you into my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. You're now, the Bible says if you've prayed that prayer, you are now a son of the kingdom king. You're now a son of the kingdom king. So I want to encourage you, if you've now become a son or the daughter of the kingdom king, you tell us. You let us know so we know what's going on in your heart so we can help you. Put you on this path. Keep you on this path. Because it's a path of highway. It's a highway to holiness. There is beasts on there. But they can't come onto you. If you're not to defend yourself, they can't touch you. But let us help you. But for those who have already become Christians, I want you to pray this with me. Lord, I want heaven. I want a desire to see more of heaven in my life. I want purity. I want it to refine me. Like, the, like the, the Magi who opened up their treasures. Who brought the gold. Who brought the, the treasures of their hearts. Lord, that's me. I'm opening my heart to you today. So as I open my heart and you open heaven. Let purity come into my life. Lord, I want to, uh, I want to be like heaven. Not only know it, I want to be like heaven. Lord, I want strength to remain in me on your holy mountain. The strength of God to remain in me on your holy mountain. To keep me. To provide for me. To protect me as I make this pilgrimage. Lord, make me a vessel of honor and purity and integrity. Make the spirit of this man not only righteous, 
but perfect it. Lord, this is my prayer. This is my desire. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a standing ovation.